I mean, I'm looking at a list of shortstops here in the free agent market. Mm-hmm. He's 26 years old. He's obviously number one. He's still got his whole career ahead of him. Yeah. Jose Iglesias, Freddie Galvis, Jordy Mercer, uh, Echeverria, Alcides Escobar. Troy Tulowitzki's a free agent now. Blue Jays released him. I mean, there's not really uh, – the Yankees need a shortstop. If they're going to go for a guy, he's their guy. <clears throat> no, no, Didi's hurt, right? Is that – Yeah. How long will yeah. he be out? I don't know exactly. Um, I try not to read too much Yankee news every day. So, uh, but but I just I think that that you know I think Machado has also proved he can play third base. He can do a lot sure. of different things. So um, he's a versatile player. Now, in terms of uh, the Hall of Fame voting, because we were talking about this oh, boy. Uh, on on Monday show, I believe it was yeah. Harold yeah. Baines getting elected yeah. by the, today's game committee along with Lee Smith. Um, I mean, we we both thought it was ridiculous Baines got elected. A lot of people think it's ridiculous that he got elected. Lee Smith maybe a more, more borderline case. What were your thoughts on that? And is that going to start kind of a, a trend of these committees electing guys who are not deserving just because you know, maybe there's some managers or some teammates who are on that committee? Or do you think it's an outlier here? Or do you think Baines should be in? <laughs> well, I, let's put it this way. I, I, I couldn't tell you. I do remember Harold Baines as a player, obviously yeah. growing up. Yeah. Um, I I I don't I couldn't tell you one accomplishment he had in his career. Right. Right. So most Hall of Famers that are coming through now are guys that when I was a kid, I used to watch and idolize after and be like, man, like, like the Greg Maddox, you know, the, the whole Braves pitching staff. You got, sure. you know, guys like that, Ken Griffey, you know, those players that that obviously there's no question that they should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And then you got Harold Baines, and it's kind of like, I don't even know what he did in his career. Right. I mean, I think he was a good player. He had a great career as a professional baseball player. But yeah. what, did, what did he really do? I, I mean, I can pull up his numbers now, I guess, obviously. but At least Lee Smith I mean, did that. Yeah, I mean, he only led the league in like one category once. One category once. once. In 1985, so, he led the league in slugging percentage, and that was it. Yeah. So yeah. how do how how can you? Yeah, he's just a good player. That's it. How do his numbers stack up to other Hall of Famers? That's not, not I mean, good, right? That's, that's yeah. there has to be a certain precedent that, that you know that's been set by all the past players that say like, hey, like if if player A isn't comparable to player B <laughs> or C or D or E, yeah. how are we? I mean, how is he in consideration? Like, right. All, you know, every everybody in the Hall of Fame has accomplished a certain level in their career, and so the standard should be set already. At least Lee Smith, I was going to say, retired as the all-time leader in saves. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, it, yeah, of course. It's I easy mean, to make a case for him. There right. isn't any question about that. Uh, it's easier. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I still don't know he's in. I, yeah. I say it's too bad for the guys like one of the Red Sox guys, Dwight Evans, comes to mind. I, I, there was never a better fielder. Uh, in the American League, anyway, playing in a tough, tough ballpark to to play right field, and he's not going to get recognized because he probably didn't have quite the same offensive statistics. So for me, it's got to be more than just statistics. I mean, Ozzie Smith made it. He wasn't a great hitter. He was a tremendous shortstop. Well, there's was, a debate right now about Omar Vizquel. People are sure. saying how great defensively he was. Should he, he was. get in? He was. Um, he's still on well, the Well, let's look, look at this right here. So. I've got up right now the the Hall of Fame ballot from this yeah. from 2019. I mean, Edgar Martinez has been on the year on it for 10 years now. I think he's getting in this year. I think it's I think it's I getting mean, in. 70.4 percent was is, his last. This is the ballot. year. Wow. You know, um, 
he's a guy too that I mean, you look. He was. He's the best designated hitter of all time. They sure. named the award after him. You can't. Yeah. You can't argue that. No, that's yeah. right. Um, better than Harold Baines. Better than <laughs> yeah, clearly. I mean, if I have to, if I have to look on my bench and pick one of those guys to pinch hit, who do you Edgar, think? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, you you got. I mean, even Fred McGriff. I mean, he's he's tenth right now, finishing in his in his last vote. He's only getting twenty three percent of the vote, but wow. I mean, the guys, you know, four hundred ninety three career home runs, yeah, you know, twenty five hundred hits. Like, I mean, that's <laughs> those are good numbers. Like, yeah. those are guys that should be more in the conversation than, sure. than a Harold Baines. Um, let me try Omar Vizquel, Larry Walker, another one. Larry Walker's hurt by you the know. fact he played his career. Mostly at Coors Field, which yeah. seems to be, although he's put up good numbers with Montreal and with St. Louis also. So I mean, you got Scott Rowland. Yeah. There's another one. You've got um, Jeff Kent. Jeff Kent is arguably the best offensive second baseman. Jeff Kent's one of those guys who he was I really mean, good, but the writers didn't, didn't like no, him. They didn't like him. Yeah. Oh, they hated him. Everybody yeah. hated well, him. He was a jerk. He was a total jerk. I think Jim Rice. They didn't like us. The writers hated him. It was a second baseman with 377 home runs. Twenty four hundred hits. Wow! Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, those are guys that I just think, you know, they should be in the conversation. I mean, more so than a, like how did how did Harold Baines slide in? I, I just don't even know where he came from. And it opens up a can of worms a little bit because now well, you can he went through. There were twelve voters in that on that committee, four of whom there were sixteen votes. You needed twelve I'm sorry. votes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tw- but he needed twelve votes and. Four or five of them are people that either direct connections, either played yeah. with, managed, managed him, or owned the team. He played owned for. the team. Yeah, yeah they were all crazy. Yeah, I know. Lee Smith, I can see. All right, right. You know, I can handle that. But I, yeah, the the Harold Baines really shocked do you, me. Do you have the list of the other guys that the committee considered? You brought that up oh, the other day. Well, I don't have it in front of me, but I can pull it up. I mean, like Albert Bell's and their consideration. It wasn't. A, it was. I got to be honest. It Lou Pinella as a list. manager fell one short. I'm surprised short. that Lou Pinella didn't yeah. get in. He yeah. will, I think. He will. Yeah. yeah, he will. He won a World Series with the Reds in 1990. Correct. He led the Mariners to their only playoff appearances ever. And there's no other manager who has ever led the Mariners <laughs> to the playoffs. It's just Lou Pinella, and he led them to the playoffs four times. And no manager has done it before or since. Or since. That alone puts him in the Hall of Fame in yeah. my vote. I mean, he's got 840 <laughs> wins in the big leagues. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, I, I think he's going to get in. Yeah, so he fell that one vote short but, this year. But the list, other than Pinella, was a pretty shallow, you know, we looked at it and said, nah, you know. Yeah. But Pull it up here. Um, you know, well, Pinella? Pinella should have gone in, in my opinion, yeah. um, but... Well, we know Albert Bell was one. Albert Bell was one of them, yes. He um, was another guy who was not very well liked and uh, had some great seasons, but let's see here. They have the, the article's buried because they've already written an ar- another article like, How the Heck Did Harold Baines Make the Hall of Fame is the title of the. <laughs> but uh, no, it was, uh, it was very surprising to me. I don't think necessarily think anyone else on that list should have gotten in necessarily, but. Again, and these committees are rotating now, right? So right. you're looking at, um, you know, next, uh, you know, in future years, a look at guys from a different era. And uh, this happened to be from what they call today's game era, which was a certain range of dates, kind of. And there's like a golden age era, pre-1950 era, so so on and so forth. Um, and Mariano will be on the ballot next year. We, 
Well, Mariano's making it this year. He's on yeah. the writers' board. Well, yeah. Yeah. These are guys but, who have fallen off the back Right, lines. right, right. Yeah, so Harold Baines never got, like, any percentage of the votes, really. Here we go. Here's the article I found. Um, okay. So um, the people they were considering were Albert Bell, Joe Carter, Will Clark, Oral Hershiser, Davey Johnson, manager, Charlie Manuel, manager, Lou Pinella, and then George Steinbrenner, an owner. Um, and the people who were voting on it were Roberto Alomar, Bert Bylevin, uh, Blylevin, pardon me, Pat Gillick, Tony La Russa, who managed Harold Baines, Greg Maddox, who played with Lee Smith, Joe Morgan, John Sherholtz, Ozzy Smith, Joe Torrey, Al Avila, Paul Beeston, who I found out was a former president of Major League Baseball. I didn't have a commissioner. I didn't know that um, for that brief period in time. Andy McPhail, Jerry Reinsdorf, who owned the White Sox, or does own the White Sox, and media members Steve Hurt, Tim Kirchin, and Claire Smith. Random committee. Um, totally random. Will Clark, even? Well, Will Clark was not on the committee. But right, but how is Will Clark not even in the consideration? I know, Will Clark and Oral Hershiser. Yeah, yeah the Hershiser, too. Yeah. They, didn't the get enough, they didn't yeah. get enough votes. Um, but yeah, I was... And then... Steinbrenner didn't get enough votes either. He will. He will at some point, yeah. probably, yeah. Because he was just by his force he of better. will. I mean, he has to. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Although, the, the, I mean, he, for a long period of his ownership, the Yankees didn't do anything, really, right? In the 70s, they were Well, the, the 80s, good, yeah. yeah so they, they won the World Series in 77 and 78. Tom Fresh was their best player. Then they and then, yeah, good. from 79 through 94, obviously a strike in 94, they were not good. No, and they weren't. But they they got their championships and yeah, and, they did. And <laughs> and I mean, look what look what he did for New York City for the Yankee. I mean, he's got to go in. Like he he was a living legend there for a long time. I mean, he's the got boss. To go in. Yeah, he's got to go in. Well, he made everybody you know. focus on baseball. Yeah, you were always talking about it. Yeah, I mean, it's firing a managers. It's a no brainer. Bringing in controversial players. I mean, he. He he kept Major League Baseball on the map. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. Uh, but you you know we're we're still we're still not out of the out of the woods yet with the uh, you know all the scandals and everything that baseball went through. Um, <clears throat> that's going to take a while. It's going to take a while to get over it and get out of the get out of the woods with all of it. But where, where do you stand on that? If somebody you know the Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and oh man, I mean, I. I I think honestly, I think Bonds was a Hall of Famer, regardless. Right. Um, That's my take on Clemens that. also. Yeah. Um, Kurt Schilling, nah, I don't see Kurt Schilling in the Hall of Fame. Um, but I think yeah, Bonds and Clemens. I mean, those are the two two headliners with that whole thing. Um, I think they're definite. Yeah, they sh- they're Hall of Famers. They're Hall of Famers. You know, the only thing I'd say about you know? Clemens being a Red Sox fan is his last three years in Boston, he was overweight. And not for he never he was right around five hundred. I yeah. think he was within four wins one way or the other of being five hundred. Then suddenly he goes to Toronto and he looks like Adonis. Yeah, you know. But he's he also I mean, great. oh, he's a great yeah, pitcher. His numbers are there. I mean, you know what? Yeah, but you're right. You're it's right. Interesting about Clemens. His final year in Boston. Yeah, he was ten and thirteen. Right, three point six three ERA. You know, not Josh bad. Three is in Boston. He led he he led the league in strikeouts in nineteen ninety six. And that was his final year in Boston. At age 33, he struck out 257 batters, led the league in strikeouts, and Boston <clears> said, forget you, get out of here. Yeah, but he had all his strikeouts against Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then he goes to Toronto, and you're right, he did take it up to another level and won back-to-back Cy Young Awards at age 34 and 35. 
and then extended his career. God, he he played all the way till he was forty four years old, twenty four seasons. But obviously, there were some roids involved. Uh, yeah, there were, but you know, I think as a pitcher, though, you know, you're taking those things to to help you recover, recover. more, sure. more so. I mean, it, you can't say, oh, well, he's got you know twenty five wins as opposed to ten wins right. in a year. And that does that has nothing to do with it. It's just, yeah. it's more to you can get out on the field more than you normally would if you were into your 40s <laughs> correct, right correct yeah i would yeah. think it correct BDs that's be, what it is you have be, more opportunities would be better it. for a position player because of that well yeah playing that, 100 100 yeah. games or 125 pitch, games right. or, yeah 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. you're right but you know i i think that these guys i mean um those guys are hall of famers i mean but if they can't let them in because of it then i get it yeah i get it you know, and if that tarnishes you, you know, whether you were involved or not, but you're, 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 you know, connected to that somehow, then I get it. You know, it is what it is. I mean, the Pete Rose thing, we don't need to get into that, but look, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's the same thing. It's just, if you can't do it, you can't do it. Um, but those guys are, I mean, as far as, you know, looking at players that stack up that meet the precedent that I was talking about earlier, like those are guys that definitely would have regardless. The other thing that the steroid era did to me, though, is um, you used to be able to say, damn it, if you hit 500 home runs, you're in the Hall of Fame. I don't care if you strike out 7,000 times. You know, there kind of was a baseline criteria. And then when we got in the steroid era, their statistics are out the window. There's nothing that makes any sense. And so suddenly you don't have any baseline. And the guys that were not taking steroids that hit, 285, 290, that maybe over time, because of that longevity and being so consistent, could get in. I'm not going to get in. Yeah. Because their stats don't. They don't Sammy make Sammy Sosa hit 609 yeah. career home runs. I don't think he's ever getting voted in. Yeah, but no. you know what? You'll be able to see, go through his year-by-year -year home runs, and you'll be able to tell when he started with the steroids. You'll be able to tell. Yeah, he had some good power. It's funny. It's funny to see, in 1998, he had 66 home runs, and it's not in bold on baseball reference because he did not even lead the league because of Mark McGuire. <laughs> Unbelievable. And then 63 right. home runs the next year and still did not lead the league. He only led the league in home runs twice. 50 home runs in 2000 and 49 in 2002. Those are the only years he led the league in home runs because of you know all the other inflated totals going on um, throughout baseball, but... Heck, he hit 64 home runs in 2001. He also had the Did he lead the league? Bat. No, because of yeah. Barry Bonds. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he's the, I believe he's the only player ever to hit more than 60 home runs three times in his career in a season. Because um, I think McGuire did it twice, and I think Bonds did it, uh, well, I think Bonds did it once. He hit over 70, obviously, but let's see. Bonds, in his steroid... Uh, career uh, here, seventy three in two thousand one, but that was, a, that, was a, that was a big outlier. He had forty nine the previous year and forty six the year after, but he people started walking him every time, so that was part of it. But yeah, Sosa's the only one who ever hit more than sixty three times, and Bonds only did it once, but he happened to hit more than seventy <laughs> seventy three, which no one will they, I don't think will ever approach again. No, they yeah. did certainly get us all watching the games. You yeah. got to give them that. You couldn't you know? wait to see. They're going to hit a home run today. I mean, it was well, amazing. Well, I mean, look at the whole Maguire Sosa episode that year when yeah. they were the home run race. Like that really brought fans back into the game when baseball was struggling a little bit, um, and that was a good thing. And then, I mean, you've had a few of those though. But then you've got like the Cal Ripken thing, you know, breaking the 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 game streak. I mean, that brought fans back to the game, which 
you know, I mean, Cal Ripken obviously was never connected to any of that, and you know, it was something good, and then you get back into it, and then all of a sudden, of course, like a scandal has to hit, where it's like these guys are on substances that they shouldn't be on. It's like, man, we all, we were almost there, you know, we almost brought everybody back and had everything working, and and then all of a sudden, one of those things hits. But those guys are Hall of Famers, regardless. Sosa probably not, but uh, Bonds, Clemens, I think, yeah, hundred percent. The other thing that we, Maddie and I, talked about last week. We all keep saying, well, baseball, but he had the list of, I think it's StubHub. I, I should have remembered exactly what he said. The most requested uh, and most used tickets to what events? And he said, what do you think? And I said, well, the NBA championship. You know, I started listing off, and he goes, you know what? There's not one basketball thing on you. The, the, uh, the Super Bowl. The uh, the AFC Championship, the Patriots and the Jaguars. That's probably because it's Boston. Um, and then two two Alabama football games. One the national championship game, and one the I think the SEC championship, or maybe one of the playoff games. Four World Series games. LA and Boston. Four. I said, wait, no Yankee Red Sox playoff game? Nope. LA and Boston. I mean, I understand that's old school, you know, yeah. but. Kind of yeah. surprising. Yeah. I, I expected basketball to be all over it. Yeah, I went to uh, the World Series this year. I went to Game One. Ooh. Um, I tell you what, like, I mean, Fenway during the World Series, there's, only, there's nothing like it. But <laughs> there was a lot of a lot of Dodger fans in the area. You saw a lot of Blue Jackets walking around that night. Yeah, I was surprised <laughs> watching it, thinking, how do those guys get tickets? Yeah, seriously. So speaking of Red Sox, you saw Joe Kelly's yeah gone right. Yeah, what do you think of that? He went for warmer temps, man. <laughs> uh, I'm not a big Joe Kelly fan. I think he he was too inconsistent. No, for that's me. right. We just he got hot that. at the yeah. right time and he came in and helped him. But I mean, three quarters of the season, the guy was was all He'll over the, in the place. Ocean. He was all over the place. And then when he was there, it was right down Broadway. Uh, that's why he was getting hit. I, I three years too. That's 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 a big contract for him. That's a no-brainer for him. Oh, he had yeah. to take that and run um, for $25 million or something. That's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. um, I don't think the Red Sox will miss him. I think, they'll, I think they'll find another reliever to come in and take his spot that can do what he did. Three years, $25 million. Good for him. For take Joe it and Kelly. run, Joe. Don't even look back, man. He was born and raised in Southern California. Yeah, Sweet. that's part of it. And he's going to help bridge the gap to Kenley Jansen, who uh, is obviously their closer there in L.A. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think yeah, the Sox should even look back. Yeah, he's not a closer. Um, but they, they're going to need a couple new bullpen pieces, yeah? yeah. You know, with Kimbrough gone, too. Um, I don't know who's going to close for him this year. Um, I'm not a, a giant Red Sox fan. I do follow him, obviously, because I live here. But um, Who's your team again? Cincinnati. Oof. Cincinnati? Yeah, you're admitting that yeah. on, on the radio? The Reds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was born in Cincinnati. Okay. Yeah, so... Um, that band box of a ballpark. So weird. Uh, it's fun. To, it's fun to go watch games, though. Go for BP. It's even better. Yeah. Right. Tell us yeah. a little bit about how you got here. What? Where have you been? Where'd you go to school? Those kind of things. We don't. Have people on there out there don't know all those things. All right. So I, um, I grew up in in Chesapeake, Virginia, which is near Virginia Beach. Um, was more of a football player. Ended up um, playing Division three baseball. I went to Lynchburg College in Virginia. Um, small school, similar to Bates, a little bit, maybe twice the size of enrollment, but Division Three, uh, about five thousand or so. Um, had a great career, great run at it, a lot of fun. Um, 
was thought I was going to go into teaching. I, I did my to get certified for health and phys ed, K through 12, and then I realized I wanted to coach and and uh, stayed there as an assistant coach and, and got my graduate degree and learned how to coach and and then I took a job and and kind of just moved to Poughkeepsie, New York, and started coaching at Vassar uh, Vassar College and and was there for 13 years total and. Uh, you know, was able to kind of build a program from scratch and, and get it started and uh, built a brand new facility and um, had a couple kids play professionally out of there. And, and, and we just kind of kind of built it up from from the ground up and really had a, a, a good run for a, a few years. And I don't know, I just kind of felt like I was ready for to do something different after 13 years in one spot. So I moved to Maine and here I am. And uh, I knew all about the NESCAC and and uh, I, I didn't know a lot about Bates, but uh, you know, my interview, I fell in love with it. Bates is an awesome place, and, and a lot of good people. And um, I love Maine. Um, obviously, the weather's not ideal for spring baseball, but I knew that coming in, so it's not a shock. But I love it up here. I'm happy to be here. Um, I'm in my third year. We've had a couple good seasons so far, and I look forward to building on that. So uh, that's kind of my uh, yeah. I kept moving north to coach. Spring baseball. baseball. I don't really know yeah. what that's all about. <laughs> you know, um, the baseball team at Bates, I mean, it's not easy to make the NESCAC tournament in baseball no. because you only get two teams from each division, so only four teams oh, make really? the tournament, whereas yeah. other sports, oh, other sports it's eight sports. teams, oh, yeah. almost yeah. the entire conference, so only four, and you have to finish top two in your division, and Bates, I think, has done it now. What? I think Why do they four do the that? last five or four five of the last, last six five. years. Yeah. Yeah. So they've been making the NESCAC tournament quite regularly. Why do yeah. they do that? Just the way it's set up, I guess. Well, well, I know, yeah, we only play 12 it. games um, in conference, right. which is yep. crazy yeah. for a college schedule. The last conference I was in, we played 24, so that'll give you an idea. It's, I mean, you lose. It's like playing college football, really, because like, each game is, matters so much. Every game is in intense, and it's, yeah. it goes down to the wire. And yeah. So if you you know, you know drop a series, you drop two out of three in one of your first two series, your back's against the wall so the second week to, of the season. Yeah, that means right. you have to go out and try to schedule the rest. Right. You, well, you've got a yeah. Is you've there got an allotment a, of how many games they'll let you play? There is. We'll play thirty six, um, and then any postseason, all that. And only twelve in the league. Only twelve. Wow. Yeah, it it's interesting. So because we we have ten teams, and geographically we're so split that we have two divisions of five. So in ours, it's uh, Bates, Colby, Bowden, Trinity, and Tufts, and then on the other, the rest are on the other side. So it's we play each team in a three game set. So there's our 12 games. It doesn't uh, help either that Connecticut College doesn't have baseball and softball either no. one. Right, right. No, they don't. Um, That's where my daughter went. But or but football. It, but I'll tell you this. Yeah. like NESCAC baseball is good baseball. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's players drafted out of the league all the time, and um, a lot of these students are looking to go to schools in the Patriot League or the Ivy League, you know, and, and for whatever reason, they choose to come play in the NESCAC. So, um I encourage anybody that has never seen a you know a NESCAC or a Division three game like you'll be impressed. I mean, it's fast baseball and um, and it's there's some talent on the field for sure. You know, we were saying NESCAC has some crazy rules, and one of those is that none of you can start early. And and yeah. secondly, like for instance, in football, they don't go beyond the NESCAC schedule. They're not allowed we do. to. We you do, guys yeah. are allowed to. Yeah. Quite a few of the other sports are allowed to. Yeah. Uh, they just have some rules that kind of like. 
we have had Jason on twice, so we've kind of hammered on him about get yeah. those things fixed. Yeah, you know? if only he had that power. No, no, all, yeah, right. seriously, I seriously. I mean, I think I think anybody just joining the NESCAC is like, I'm going to change something. Yeah, well, good luck with that. Yeah, no. it, it's 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 kind of archaic in some ways, but it's also that's just you know it's one of those that's how it is kind of things. Uh, but it's you know there's a lot of good athletes. I mean. I'm re- I've been really impressed with the quality of student athletes that we get in the NESCAC, but I think that uh, yeah, there's some things that could could help streamline our schedule a little bit that the NESCAC should probably ease up on. But we were uh, talking. That's my opinion. We they were know talking, my opinion. I'm sorry. <laughs> we were talking like one of the who was in that said they play this year. They play just a few games at home in the NESCAC, and all the rest of them away. And then next year, it's just the opposite. It's like that seems like an easy solution to me, having yeah. been an AD. You, you just you know, you get together as a group yeah. and you say, we got to fix this imbalance every other year. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And uh, I guess it was basketball. Because we were saying that this is the year that she loved it with a young team. She'd love to have uh, women's basketball. She'd love to have more games at home. But it's a road-heavy schedule. It's yeah. a road-heavy schedule this year. Baseball's interesting because, I mean, you look, he has, as John mentioned, there's only 12 conference games. and um, But luckily for Bates, I mean, six of those 12 are – are Bowden and Colby, which are you know fairly close by to here, so it's not like in conference the travel is crazy. But and you go, you're going to Florida this year, right, Coach? Yep. And uh, Florida. What um what do you mainly look for? Because I mean, last year you guys went to California, played some nationally ranked opponents. I think you played the Vinny National Champion. Yep. Is that right? Yep. So what do you look for from these early games that are going to be you know mid to late February here? Uh, you know, I have to be kind of forgiving in some ways that of some mistakes that we may make or or uh you know some things that i think that we're going to need to work on in the future because we're limited on how many practices we have once we start um but i think that uh for me i mean i just i want to see effort i want to see guys taking advantage of opportunities um i want to see us compete i want a competitive edge um the mechanical stuff the the pitch sequences um, you know, the positioning with our infield, that kind of thing we can work on as we, as we progress throughout the year. But I, I want to see that, um, that they're excited to play, you know, they're excited for the start of the season because, um, the season can be long and drawn out, but I want to know, I want to know that, that we're going to be hungry and we're going to go after it this year. So, uh, Florida this year, much easier flight, much easier trip. <laughs> Right. Um, those red eye flights, man, they, 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 <laughs> they take a toll when you get older, but, um, I, I think that, that the trip to, to Florida this year will be a good one. I think we'll be playing some competitive teams, but um, teams that we should compete against as well. Um, Sunshine, Palm Trees, Bermuda Grass. I'm ready to go right now. Yeah, yeah. seriously, right? Yeah. Any day, right? Any February day, could not come soon. No, it could not. Yeah. God, the winter started early, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, so <laughs> it'll be good. But I'm actually, I'm actually going down to Puerto Rico over winter break. Um, I'm taking a... a uh, USA high school team down um, to travel around the island and play some of the academies down there. So, nice. uh, yeah, yeah, I've done it the last few years. Puerto Rico is a pretty awesome place if you've never been. It's definitely something you should you should check out. Um, so we we all kind of meet uh, in Puerto Rico. We practice for a day and then we we just kind of put it together and go around and play. It's a lot of fun. And some of those Puerto Rican kids can can flat out get it done on the field. Yeah, trust me. Oh yeah. Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. Well, Michael yeah. Hoffer commented on our live Facebook stream. You can watch this on Facebook uh, at MBR um, on Facebook. But he says he has a dead de- dead cell phone, so he's not able to call in. 
Oh. So John's our only so guest can stay, uh, today. Yeah, if you want to oh, stick uh, around on the other side of the break, you can. Okay. Or you have to go, that's fine as well. But we're going to take a quick break. Back in a moment, this is the B-List Daily on the new 105 Sports and on MBRradio.com. Welcome back into the Spectrum Healthcare Partners studios. This is the B-List Daily on the new 105.5 Sports. Also, in Sports Time 780, don't don't want to forget the folks in Rumford tuning in as well. My name is Aaron Morse. We got Dave Wing in studio as usual. John Martin stopping by the head coach of the Bates baseball team. John, I know you got to go, but I'm intrigued by that Puerto Rico thing. Um, how many times have you gone down there with this team, and what does it do for you as a coach, kind of, I guess? Yeah, so um, it's kind of interesting story how it all started. So I, I used to I used to do some work um, in the past with USA Baseball, and I've taken teams um, – trying to think I've, I've gone to japan i've gone to venezuela um i went to the netherlands um and we do some clinics but we also take teams over there to compete against their junior national teams mm-hmm. and um i um i have a friend of mine who used to coach at columbia university down in new york and he started a company he got out of college baseball and started a company called planet baseball and um what we do is we as I recruit throughout the summer, and he he gets a couple other college coaches to go with us, yeah. we put together a database, we reach out, we build a trip to wherever we're going to go, and um, we get some of the better players that we've seen and kids that we think we've evaluated that um, you know this is a, a good fit for them. They come with us, and we compete against some of the better teams in, in whatever country we're going to. So last summer we went to Cuba, so I did Cuba for the first time. Uh, that was pretty a pretty amazing. That thing. has to be pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It was. It really opened your eyes to a lot of things. A lot of but, cars from the nineteen fifties. Oh uh, yeah, it it's like, awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. And uh, cigars and the whole <laughs> yeah, thing. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's it's a it's a really great place and great baseball. I mean, they're they they are serious about playing baseball the right way there, which is good to see. Yeah. Um, really interesting culture. Uh, definitely opened your eyes to a lot of things, like I said, um, just with how that country operates. But I'm uh, glad I was able to do it. But Puerto Rico is my spot. I love going there. The people are so friendly. It's very Americanized. So you're leaving the country, but you're not leaving the country. And um, right. the food's great. Uh, the baseball's great. Um, a lot of these, these players that we take, it's really their first time off the mainland of the United States. Sure. So, so it can be a little culture shock. But I've gone to Puerto Rico I don't know, man, 20 times. Like, I've been a bunch. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, this last year I've gone three times, so I, I, I like to go down there quite a bit. But um, anytime I can link it with baseball, yeah, that's that's kind of how I try to do it and get to know a lot of the local yokels and, and, and the baseball scene there. Um, I've worked Alex Kors Clinic a couple times. Um, I know Alex fairly well. He's a, he's a first-class guy, and, um, and he just runs a, a youth clinic for a lot of the, the nice. local kids there. and. Because uh, he's from Caguas, which is a town uh, about 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes south of, uh, uh, right next to the rainforest, actually, south of San Juan. So um, he's he's coached the Winter League team there. The Puerto Rican Winter Leagues are big. You can go there and sit with, you know, a thousand people in a stadium and watch a lot of big leaguers play yeah. throughout the winter. So uh, that's always fun. We always try to go to a game when I'm down there over the winter. Um, but he's managed that team. He's been the GM of that team. Um, and obviously he's, he's a proud Puerto Rican, but, uh, cool, cool experience and definitely something that I I like to do, you know, when I get away from Bates. So when are you headed down there? I leave the day after Christmas and I'll come back, uh, on the fifth. 
Gotcha. So maybe yep. on the 27th and the 3rd, we can get you on the phone, perhaps, of course. in Puerto Rico. We'll of see course. what we can do. So. Of course. I'll make sure to turn down the uh, the, the music and yeah. Uh, yeah. you know and pull away from the, the paella, and I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, get on the, I'll get on the phone. No problem. All right. John Martin, I know you got to run, but thanks so much for joining us here All on right, the BS Daily. You got it. Appreciate thanks for having it. me. I'll, be, I'll see you guys soon.